Kelly Show, hour two of the Jesse Kelly Show. And as promised, that's all. That's all Russia, Ukraine stuff we're doing. It's all that's on the news. It's all that's on every show. I just did a bunch of it in the first hour and you have had enough. I've had enough. From now on, it's Ask Dr. Jesse questions and some other things mixed in for the rest of the show. All right? I gave you my word at the beginning. I will stand by that. We cannot have endless Russia talk having us all drowning our sorrows in a bottle of whiskey. That's not going to work. We are going to put a smile on our faces. It's Friday night, baby. It's Friday night, and we're going out. Shoot, I'm going to take the old lady for a night out on the town. A lot of focus on the economic pain in Russia, potentially, from these sanctions. But what about the economic pain here? Uh, The Russians are saying they think gas prices in Europe are going to double. How high could they get here? Well, I think, again, Peter, as I said to Ouija, I mean, some of this depends on what President Putin does. So as he is suggesting what the impact will be around the world, it's all based on what his actions are, just to be very clear about it. What the president is focused on and is working on is taking every step we can to uh, to communicate with, coordinate with, engage with uh, big global suppliers. Around- okay, so we're all screwed. Gas prices are going to double. Never mind. We're just going to stay home this weekend. You know what? I think we'll stay home. I think we'll stay home. Like you just filled up and I had to do that double take thing as I looked at the total and thought, um, how often am I going to have to do that? Maybe those electric cars are something I have to look into, Chris. <laughs> All right, that's enough. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Let us continue with that. And remember, you can email during the show as well. That's fine. We're here. We're live. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The only other war talk, the only other war talk we're going to have on this show is going to be the stuff we create ourselves. There we go. Jesse, responding to Ask Dr. Jesse. That's very specific. Why have there been no resignations or firings after the, after the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan? Seems like the policy has led us to our current situation. Now, this is going to be a longer, complicated answer. So just stay with me here. But I, I think this is critical. We all understand this because it helps us understand everything that's going on now and everything that will be going on in the future. Why have there been no resignations or firings after the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan? One, and this is a really, really, really important part of it. We have to adjust our mindset to how our government works, how it works now. Because it does not work now the way you're used to it working, the way it used to work for your childhood or your grandpa. The United States government... It didn't used to be completely corrupted and rotted and wrong. And so if you look back at the history of all of our wars we fought in this country, when there have been screw-ups, people get fired or people resigned or, and or both. And, and it's the norm. And sometimes, sometimes there are firings and resignations of you know generals, even when it wasn't really his fault. It was just such a bad situation. The general feels bad. President looks bad. Boom, you're fired. And then here comes Afghanistan. 
And it's this gigantic, global, embarrassing thing. And people just like me, just like you, were looking and thinking, okay, surely you're all going to quit just out of a sense of decency, right? But surely Biden's going to fire this guy. Millie, you're fired. Austin, you're fired. Nobody, not a soul, not one person. The only person who got canned was the lieutenant colonel who said, someone needs to be held accountable. He's the only guy that got fired. So what we have to do is adjust our thinking about our government now. And this is a little dark. It's a little dark for a Friday, but we just got to be honest about it. You don't have a government that works for you at all anymore. And they don't even see themselves as working for you. And remember, this applies to our general staff as well. This applies to our flag officers, generals, admirals, politicians, media people. The three things, you have to drill these into your head because it helps you understand. There is no love of country. None. Even for people who fought for it when they were younger. Why wouldn't, uh, why, why, why in the world wouldn't Millie retire? You have this global embarrassment. Everyone looks bad. You got 13 of our troops killed, and then you went and murdered 10 innocent Afghanis. I mean, that, that is instant resignation, right? Millie doesn't even think about it. Well, okay, let's let's just let's focus on him for a moment. Joe Biden's not gonna fire him because Joe Biden, again, no love of country there either. He's not worried about the dead Afghanis is not worried about the 13 dead warriors. Remember when he met their parents, when the warriors got back and he was checking his watch the whole time, had someplace else to be. So Biden isn't going to fire Millie out of some sense of outrage. He's also not going to fire Millie because Biden, again, no love of country. Biden isn't worried about taking any blame for Afghanistan at all. Everything he's done since that day, from that day to now has been to defend himself and what he did. Okay, so that brings us back to Millie. Okay, well, Biden won't fire him. At least a, a patriot like Millie. Remember, his war record's amazing. All these medals and ribbons. A patriot like Millie should, should feel a sense of obligation. Yes, in a normal country, he would feel a sense of obligation. In America, 1980, he would feel a sense of obligation. You, want, you know what Millie feels now? Millie feels like... He's got a gigantic pension coming. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea what the actual day-to-day -day life is for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? He lives like royalty. He has a gigantic staff around him. Millie hasn't personally picked up his dry cleaning in years. He hasn't made his own cocktail in a long time. Millie lives like a king he goes from he's driven from steakhouse to steakhouse to steakhouse to cocktail party i guarantee he lives in a mansion armed bodyguards at all time you won't notice him flying next to you on spirit airlines when you're heading to philly next weekend i promise millie flies privately probably all over the globe and that's as chairman of the joint chiefs of staff if he can end his run as chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff in relative good standing, you know, not resigning in disgrace or anything like that. If he can do that, Mark Milley is going to walk right into a defense contractor's office and probably command upwards of $2 million a year. That's a guess, but I bet you I'm very, very close. Mark Milley's worried about Mark Milley.
when you have a government that's so corrupt and rotted, they're all just in it for themselves now. No one actually cares about the country. This is not something that goes through their heads. They all care about the politics and that driver and that next steak dinner and that defense contractor contract, that next job at CNN, the next thing, the next thing here. So you don't have this sense of duty that normally would flow through our government, that has flown through our government for most of our history. And yes, I know there's been all kinds of corruption and, and government's inept. I get all that. But you read, like, uh, World War II is a great example. People always bring up World War II. And you talk about all a general this and Bull Halsey and MacArthur. You, you, you read about all these different generals and this Marine commander and this Army commander. And you dig into them. Do you have any idea how many of the top guys back then had their sons killed in that war? Didn't have to do that. You're a freaking general. Not, you, could, you could have not only not had your son join the military at all, if he did join and you're some big shot general, it takes the snap of your fingers to make sure your son's slinging eggs at some jerkwater base in California somewhere never sees combat. Nope. On the front lines. Why? There is a sense of duty, of obligation to country, of this is the right thing. America the great, America the, view, the beautiful. That's why. When's the last time you saw anything like that happen in this country? General Kelly, John Kelly's son, is the only one I can think of in a long time. I'm sure someone will probably think of one and email it to me. That's fine. Most of the time, they don't even join today. We didn't see firings or resignations because they don't care about Afghanistan. They don't care about our humiliation. They don't care about America. And that's tough, right? All right, we're moving on. We, let's get to some lighter Ask Dr. Jesse questions here in just a second. Now, we talk a lot about love of country. And we talk a lot about putting our money where our morals are on this show. And I, I have admitted to you a thousand times, I fail at this still every day. I've failed at it for years. So I'm not looking down my nose at anyone. I'm not pointing fingers I'm tired of spending money with companies who hate me and my values and my country. Your cell service is maybe the easiest one to fix. I know you have AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon. I get it. I know the money probably goes automatically to them every month. Sign up with Pure Talk. It takes less than 10 minutes to switch to Pure Talk. Keep your phone. Keep your number. That's fine. Pure Talk will not only save the average family over 800 bucks a year, they actually love this country. You want to talk about service? Their CEO is a Vietnam veteran. American customer service, too. From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. Fighting for your freedom every day. USA! USA! The Jesse USA! Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, the whole thing's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating in a review talking about how handsome I am. <laughs> look, look, one last thing on the why no resignations, why no firings. 
What I'm trying to get across is we must have a completely different view of our government than we've ever had before. I mean, I, I, I know you remember me going off about this. I'm sure you've gone off about this, about Joe Biden calling coronavirus a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And part of the reason I was so loud and angry about that wasn't honestly because of the vaccine or anything like that. That is such a drastic step and honestly, an unprecedented step for an American president to point to half his country and say, you're the enemy. That's that's not something I mean, look, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, Michael, have you ever heard of anything like that before from an American? You don't see that. I mean, we blow it off now because we're so used to everything being wrong. That's a really big deal. This is being called a pandemic among the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. A pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is an epidemic that's occurring in the unvaccinated. We're seeing a pandemic among the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic. Yeah, you get the idea. That's a really big deal. And they don't think anything of it now. I, I can't, I honestly, shoot, I'm going through my head right now. Of, historically, I can't think of an American president doing something like that ever. I honestly, I hate to say it, Lincoln might be the only other example. And even he didn't speak to Southerners like that. He spoke to the Southern government and spoke, but I, pointing to half the country and saying, this is all your fault. You're the enemy. Presidents don't speak like that. That's not how leaders of countries speak. That's a big deal. A really big deal. We have to adjust our thinking based on how the government has changed. I know that sucks, but all right, back to some questions. Dear Oracle, we play a game at work sometimes called who would win in a fight amongst our coworkers. Guys are the best. <laughs> the one rule is that it should be an equal fight. Opponents of equal size and strength, or perhaps a stronger opponent versus a weaker opponent with an advantage like a grudge or is bat crazy. <laughs> this is a hypothetical and all in good fun, of course. I know that you could defeat Chris and Michael with one hand behind your back while doing the show at the same time. I don't know about that. I'm old. They're in their 20s now. So my question to you is this. Who would win in a fight? Chris or Michael? Is this a mismatch? What weapon of choice, of your choice, would be given to the weaker opponent to level the playing field? Man, that's such a good question. Michael has requested a weapon. Chris is definitely bigger than Mike, Michael. They're similar size, but Chris is actually pretty big. Chris is like six feet tall, which, I mean, I don't know many six feet, six foot Jews. Chris, are you people normally that tall? I don't really, I don't know. Most of, like Dave Reboy and like all my Jewish friends, they're all short. I mean, Dave Reboy could bench press a house. But anyway, anyway, so I don't know. I guess Michael's already requesting a weapon. I'll tell you what we'd do. We'd give Michael a super upgraded weapon, like something like a slapjack or something like that. Blackjack. Brass knuckles, something, something along those lines. A club, we we'll give a club, boys. We we'll give them a club of some type. Chris is already complaining about the reach. No, no. See, you don't understand, Chris. I've already got this worked out. I'm going to make this even. We're going to give Michael a club. All right, we're going to give him a club, but to to help you with your motivation because you'll be being beaten by a club. We're going to put a big pile of money behind Michael, and if you beat him, then you get it. See, then we're set. Then we're set. What? I think this is a good plan. I think it's a great plan. All right, moving on. Yo, Jesse, 
My dime wife and I were reminiscing earlier about how great it was just a few years ago when we were proud of our country. My question is, what do you think this beautiful country would look like if President Trump was still in office? Love the show, dude. Keep it handsome, says I can say his name. His name is Dan. I'm going to say something, and I want you to think about it when I say it, all right? I'm not so sure Donald Trump being in office still would actually be good for the country, and this is what I mean. Obviously, he was. I, I thought he was an outstanding president. I had some major problem with his personnel choices and spending and how he handled coronavirus. But overall, Donald Trump is a great president. And foreign policy-wise, I mean, look at this disaster right now in Ukraine. Not an accident. None of that stuff happened under Trump. So obviously, the country would be better off in the short term if Donald Trump was president. But I'm at the point where... I feel like the best thing for the country, the most beneficial thing for the United States of America would be more people waking up. And what I mean by that is this. If Donald Trump was still president of the United States of America, do you think as many parents would be running for school board and taking back school board seats across the country? Do you think as many people would be running for these city council seats, state house seats, DAs? You realize our people are mobilizing right now. And part of the reason our people are mobilizing is Joe Biden being there has exposed a level of rot we didn't even see under Barack Obama. And Barack Obama was probably the worst president ever. We are a year into Donald, into uh, Joe Biden's presidency, there have been two gigantic international incidents in the first year alone. The American people, if you look at the approval numbers and, and what people think right now, they are horrified by the state of their government, and they should be. And if Donald Trump was still president, they wouldn't be. You get yourself, and I'm guilty of this too, I'm not pointing fingers, you get yourself stuck into a... A level of comfort when you think your guy is in charge. When you think your guy is at the helm. it's it's it, Life is easier. You don't keep as keen of an eye on it. I, a great example. Look, I just ripped on Trump a little bit for his spending. He signed every single massive swampy spending bill Congress sent his way. But I was one of the very few voices, especially the pro-Trump voices, that was willing to do that because it was Trump. He's our guy. I mean, it's no big deal. It's just some spending. All right. Hey, we got to spend it. You get that a lot from Republicans. Now inflation's through the roof and everyone's mad. Well, a lot of that spending came under Trump. We need people awake. What the country is missing right now is not Donald Trump. What the country is missing is enough of this population being awake. That's where I'm at. More Ask Dr. Jesse next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and somebody has a heavy question about kids seeing black people in a bunch of TV commercials. And this one, you know what? I'm going to get to that in a second. I want to hit on one more thing about the the question that was asked a little bit earlier in case you missed it. 20, 30 minutes ago, guy asked, hey, what? why no resignations or firings after Afghanistan? Remember, remember what I said back then? Remember, I'm going to play this for you real quick. Remember this? 
There are only so many hours in the day. Either you're digging into white rage or you're digging into actually finding a way to exfil your people from Afghanistan without getting American citizens slaughtered, brave Marines slaughtered, our allies slaughtered. This is more than just a national embarrassment. This is an international embarrassment. I can't even imagine what the military planners in China are pouring into the ears of Xi Jinping right now. Because I have to be honest, if I were them, I'd be landing on the shores of Taiwan tomorrow knowing we have a half-dead person in the White House. Okay, obviously that was a little spicy back then, but understand, it's a really, really, really big problem if your nation lacks patriotism, and that's the problem. Everything comes back to our education system now, because we've had an education system that has taught people for generations that America sucks, America's evil, America's racist, America's chauvinistic, America's this, America's that. Those people, they aren't, they aren't six years old anymore. Now they're CEOs of corporations. Now they're generals and admirals. Now they're politicians. Now they're in media rooms. Now they run the country. We have a patriotism problem. It's a really big problem. And so when you see Millie digging into white rage and then you see this rot in the military... An obvious rot is taking place in the military, and you get mad about that. And you're thinking, he's destroying the country. Why, why won't he stop it? He knows. You think Millie, with his combat record, doesn't fully understand uh, standing down the military and wasting six million man hours looking for phantom white supremacists is really bad? He knows that's really bad. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. All right, now this is a heavy Ask Dr. Jesse question. I'm not even sure how I'm going to answer this one, but I've had to tackle this in my own house, so maybe it'll be easy to answer. The question is this. Yo, Jesse, tonight my seven-year-old daughter asked me why every commercial on TV is about black people. I am not really sure how to break it to this innocent little gal how ugly this new backwards world is. Help a brother out. Love the shows, dude. Um... I let me just tell you what happened in my house. I see this is going to sound so lofty and stupid, but my kids have prior to the whole St. George Floyd thing, my kids never discussed race at all. It was just nothing that was ever discussed in our house. In our neighborhood, there are black people, there are Asian people, there are Mexicans, there's Puerto Ricans, there's Cubans, there's Indians. There's I've told you before about the Egyptian dude who dresses up like Pharaoh every Halloween and insists on people calling him Pharaoh. That It's just it's a suburban Texas neighborhood, and that's what they've always existed in. And their school, same thing. Kids of all colors everywhere. And it was something that was never discussed in the house because it's just never something I've placed a priority on. I don't. Not that I don't have any prejudices at all. Everyone has prejudices. I just don't have skin color prejudices. I just think that's a really stupid thing. I think it's really dumb. So it's not something that that my wife and I have ever discussed in front of them. It's just never something we've discussed. Then St. George Floyd died and all of America decided to drown itself in white guilt and now absolutely everything is black voices support black businesses. Black, 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 black. It's black all over the place. And now, just recently, my sons are starting to ask me questions just like this seven-year-old girl is. 
Dad, why is there a why is there a black section on the TV? Dad, why is there a black section here? Why is there a black section? That doesn't seem right. I don't understand. They're confused because it's something I've never we just have never placed a priority on it. We never talked about it. How I've discussed it, how we've discussed it with them, and I'm not saying I'm right. You know I'm a bad person, let alone a bad parent. I I don't want to raise kids who care about that. They are, however, going to be raised in a world that very much does care about that. Very much does care about that. (sighs) What I've told them is this. Boys, it is an insane world right now. This this anti-white black activism going on right now is disgusting and it's wrong. And don't you ever feel guilty for anything you didn't do in a million years. And don't you feel obligated to someone you didn't do it to. However, you don't ever tiptoe your way into that skin color nonsense for any reason. Just ignore all that crap and let it go. But look, my kids are old enough now. I can't shield them from the disgustingness that is all around them in their culture. And when I say disgustingness, I mean this endless, divisive, you're evil. These people are evil. You're wrong. They can't escape it. It's everywhere they look. It's everywhere they look. And so I have previously, for my kids, I have previously avoided politics. I know that may sound weird because I do it for a living. We, I've never raised my kids to be political. They were always raised to be patriotic. We talk about history, try to make sure they have good values, a lot better values than I have, by the way. We're trying to make sure that they're good kids, but we've never been, oh, we're on the right, we're on the left, we're on the... I realized that that is naive and that's not going to work in this day and age because the communist is not going to give my kids or your kids or their own kids or anyone's kids that same kind of leeway. Oh, let's just take politics out of it. No, 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 no. The communist won't. Therefore, we cannot. The dirtier fighter decides the rules of engagement. The dirtier fighter decides the rules of engagement. That is a fact. It will always be a fact. So that's how I have addressed it with my kids. You're not better than anyone. You're not worse than anyone. Judging someone by the color of their skin is idiotic. It's idiotic if you do it. It's idiotic when they do it. The black-only stuff is stupid and wrong. The white-only stuff is stupid and wrong. You stay out of all that nonsense. Don't ever get into it. It's wrong. Now, if you want to judge... Italians, that's fine, obviously. What, Chris? It's fine. (laughs) Quit, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Chris, no, you're not blaming the killing of Jesus on the Italians, all right? It was you people. It was, well, it's you in collaboration with the Italians, all right? All the short people. All the short people. It's fine. It's just a bunch of gold necklaces out there killing Jesus. (laughs) What? It's fine, Chris. We're moving on. We can make jokes on the show. Jesse, do you think the USA should keep their promise to protect Ukraine after they gave up their nukes back in 1994? Okay, first of all, let's go once again to live coverage of the war with journalist Jesse. (laughs) 
It's Jesse Kelly here on the ground in Ukraine. No, I'm kidding. What, Chris? I think I could do one of those things and have the helmet on. They they never give them. They never give them a helmet that fits them. And the body armor. Can we get the journalists some decent body armor out there? It's hanging off of them like it looks like they're wearing their dad's sweatshirt or something. It's awful to look at. But back to your point. This is why foreign policy is very difficult. It's very, very complicated, and it is why when you have internal divisions in a country like we have, it makes diplomacy basically impossible. Now, what am I talking? What's that have to do with us and Ukraine and honoring an agreement to them? And what does anything have to do? I'm going to explain all of that just because it's an Ask Dr. Jesse question. Remember, I'm not doing any more of that unless it's in the Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I'm going to explain all of that here in just a second. Now. Speaking of Ukraine, you saw they were handing out a bunch of weapons to their civilians. And I'm sure you've seen, we discussed it in the first hour, a lot of those civilians don't even know how to use those weapons. That weapon you own, if you can't hit what you're aiming at, you might as well leave it in the safe. Get a Mantis X and learn how to use your weapon. A Mantis X, it's what the Marines use in boot camp. It's what the special forces guys use. Military-grade technology that you can afford. You practice with it in your home. In your home. You don't fire a shot. And they're putting you through drills. They're giving you feedback, improving your technique. It's that great. Go to MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com. And start improving your accuracy today. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and look, you see what's going on in the markets. Corn way up, corn way down, oil way up, oil way down. Everything's all over the place. Guess what hasn't been down? Guess what keeps going up? Gold. It's amazing how much hard assets hold their value in these insane times. I know I know times are tough and I'm not telling you to do anything drastic. Only get what you can get. But call Oxford Gold Group and get some gold delivered to your home. They will deliver it to your front door. They're a wonderful company. They're wonderful people. I trust them. I've sent my own father there. Tell them Jesse told you to call and they'll take special care of you. 833-995-GOLD, Oxford Gold Group, all right? 833-995-GOLD. Tell them Jesse told you to call, all right? One more thing on the before I get back to the question about Ukraine and our obligations and whatnot. I said in the previous segment, the dirtiest fighter sets the rules of war, sets the rules at all times. That makes people uncomfortable. It does. And I have, I, I've used this before. But I geek out on the war in the Pacific, so it's, it's very appropriate, and it brings it home for you. Do you think, let me ask you a question. This is going to be very direct. All right? It's going to be shocking, but tough. Do you think American troops should kill women and children? Okay, I, I'm sure you're probably saying no. I, I would hope you're saying no. I mean, that would be the last thing in the world I would ever want to do, the last thing in the world I want American troops to do. But hang on to that for a second. In the Pacific, when we were fighting the fanatical Japanese in World War II, 
especially when we started getting into islands like Saipan and started getting to places like that where there was a civilian population. You know, there's not much of a civilian population in a place like Iwo Jima. It's just a big, black, crappy rock. When we started creeping closer to Japan, now we're, now we're, we're going to places where people live. The Japanese, they knew Americans' values. They knew our values. They, that was not Japanese values, especially not back then. And I actually say that as a huge fan of Japanese culture. They, it was a total death cult back then during World War II. just was. They didn't place any value on the life of really anyone who wasn't Japanese. And frankly, they didn't place a, life on the ja- place a lot of value on the life of Japanese either. That's why they were just throwing them at machine gun nests and flying them into buildings. So... The Japanese soldiers knew Americans did not want to hurt women and kids. They knew that was just part of our rules of warfare. We didn't even have to have the rules set out for us. I have served with some really, really rough, rough characters in my four years in the Marine Corps. Not one of them would ever hurt a woman or a kid. Not one of them. In fact, they would very likely kill you if they saw you doing it. That's just the kind of people I was. we, we serve with. So the Japanese knew this, and as we were taking over Saipan... They would do this consistently. This is something they, that, that was common. They would hide in various caves. And this, just, this isn't unique to Saipan. This was, it took place in other islands. But on places like Saipan, they would take women and children, civilians, and they would drag them into caves with them and hide from us. They wanted to hide in these caves and then pop their heads out at night and try to kill an American soldier here, an American soldier there, just trying to take as many with them as they could go, as they could. But they would hide with the women and kids in the caves and they would not come out. You can't just run into a cave and, you know, it doesn't work like it does in the movies. You can't run into a cave after them and, well, I'm only going to kill the Japanese soldier. And that, that's not how it works. It's dark. They're already set up. They're in cover. If you go in there, you're going to die. And it did happen several times. American troops would try to go in and they would just get killed. You just, it's very difficult. So there's only one way to kill that Japanese soldier in that cave. You got, well, I shouldn't say one way. You can flamethrower him out. And that was done several times. Or you can pull the pin on a grenade and you can throw it in there. Now you set off a grenade in a cave. Everyone in there is dead. Honestly, you probably don't even have to get them all with the shrapnel. The concussion alone bouncing around and probably kill them. American troops killed women and kids on the, in the Pacific. The dirtier fighter sets the rules of engagement. The American troops who did that too didn't do anything wrong. What are they supposed to do? You're put in an impossible situation. The dirtier fighter sets the rules of engagement. That's the way it has to be. All right, back to this. Back to this. I didn't want to get sidetracked there. Back to this. It said, do, do you think the USA should keep their promise to protect Ukraine after they gave up their nukes back in 1994? hear me out here for a second. I'm going to give an answer all over the place because it's an all over the place question. Now, not, not, I'm not insulting your question, but when it comes to foreign policy, it is fine if a country deviates a little bit this way or a little bit that way. Oh, he's a little more hawkish. She's a little more dovish. She wants a little more trade with them. He wants a little less trade with them. That, that kind of stuff is fine. When you have a country like we have that is now completely divided, and I mean right down the middle, we hate each other. 
The communists hate us. The right is now fully weaponized. We hate the communists. I fully admit, I raise my hand, I hate them. So when what how that applies to foreign policy is we have completely 180 degree opposite foreign policies. That is going to destabilize the entire world. The entire world. Barack Obama gets into office and immediately starts dumping all over Israel and cozying up to Iran. Well, that seems crazy. Oh, and he's dumping all over Saudi Arabia too. Okay, well, okay, you can disagree with that foreign policy, and I do, but at least if the next guy would continue the same one, you'd have some kind of coherence. Donald Trump gets in there and says, uh, that's nuts. We're friends with Israel, and we're friends with Saudi Arabia. Screw Iran. In fact, we're going to kill one of their generals, and we're going to bring in the UAE to, to coordinate with Israel. Now we have a better, a better pact going forward, and boom, we're all set, right? Up. Not quite. Donald Trump loses an election. Joe Biden gets in. Boom. Israel's back to being persona non grata. They're dumping on Saudi Arabia. We're cozying up to Iran. You see what I mean? You cannot, you can't, especially a country as powerful as ours, our foreign policy has massive impact on the entire world. And when you have a country this divided that goes the opposite way, polar opposites in everything, it's not survivable. Honestly, World War III, it's inevitable if we don't get this thing righted. Even if it doesn't happen now, and I'm not saying it's going to happen now. I'm not doing that. I, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. I'm not saying it's going to happen now, but it is inevitable if we don't get this righted. Like, like, like your question, back to your question. I don't want to avoid the question. Should the USA keep its promise to protect Ukraine? Okay. In a vacuum? Sure. What does that mean? What do you mean, though? I mean, the devil's in the details. We, we're Ukraine. I promise to protect you. And now Ukraine's getting crushed by the Russians, and we're not doing much. Sending lethal aid over there, yeah, but not doing much. Should we keep our promise? Do you want to see American troops die in Ukraine? Are you ready to have a Ranger battalion go down? Are you ready to lose a couple fighter pilots? Are you ready to see a naval vessel go to the bottom of the sea? I mean, that's what keep your promise means, right? I I don't know how to answer this question because there's not a good one. All right, we're, you know what? We're going to continue on this on just a second and then another full hour of Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Hang on. Yeah, dream, I 